Welcome to Pickle Me This, the officially unofficial podcast for Rick and Morty on Cartoon Network's Adult Swim. I'm your host, Jim. And I'm Aaron. You can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. This week, we're talking about episode 101, the pilot episode of Rick and Morty. Here's Aaron with the recap. In this pilot episode, we meet Rick Sanchez, a brilliant mad scientist and inventor, and his grandson Morty, who is equal parts lab assistant, whipping boy, and moral break on Rick's runaway crazy train. Morty's parents, Jerry and Beth, are concerned that Rick's extracurricular activities are hurting Morty's scholastic performance. They learn that Morty has missed nearly an entire semester of school due to constantly being taken from his classes to aid Rick on his latest high-concept sci-fi rigmarole. Jerry plots to ship Rick off to a nursing home to protect Morty from his dangerous influence. Meanwhile, Rick uses Morty to smuggle mega seeds from Dimension 35C through interdimensional customs way up his butthole. However, the authorities soon discover Morty being used as a mule and attempt to apprehend him. They narrowly escape justice, only for Rick to find Beth and Jerry packing him off to his new home. The mega seeds have since dissolved in Morty's rectal passage, temporarily granting him super intelligence. Rick uses this opportunity to convince Beth and Jerry that assisting on Rick's experiments is actually good for Morty's education. The ruse works, leading Rick to gloat that there is now nothing to stop Rick and Morty's adventures continuing for a hundred years. All right, Jim, what did you think of this pilot episode? Uh, so I've seen it twice now, once years ago, again one day ago, and I have different opinions on it because the first time I watched it, I was sort of off-put by a lot of the choices they made. Uh Maybe most specifically the the belching, the drooling, uh, what a disgusting human being Rick Sanchez seems to be, and and yet there's something that's that's really compelling uh, about the story in general. I I find the character relationships fascinating because they're not super conventional or they're not this very glossy portrayal. It seems like they're a little more honest, a little deeper than a lot of characters I see on screen. Uh, and that's kind of the biggest thing that drew me to it, that and just how funny it is. I completely agree. I think that this uh, is a great introduction to the characters. Um, I've seen all Rick and Morty's, I don't know how many times. Um, I kind of got obsessed with the show. I I missed the first season, but it was one of those things, you know, that uh, a lot of Bald Move fans would be like, hey, you guys should check out Rick and Morty. It's right up your alley. Check out Rick and Morty. Uh, I remember right in the middle of season two, uh, some friends of ours house sat for us and we had this big whiteboard in our living room where we planned projects and stuff. And uh, one of our friends had drawn a whole bunch of like Rick and Morty characters in different situations. And me and Cecily got <laughs> home. We're like, the fuck is this? Mm-hmm. Um, and then we realized it was this Rick and Morty. So we started watching it. And like I said, I, I, I kind of uh, I kind of got uh, a little bit obsessed with that. And was it Justin Roiland house sitting for you? I, no, 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 no. <laughs> OK, just, just making sure. Just just a fan of his. Gotcha. And that led me to like because I'd already I'd actually fami- was familiar with Justin Roiland from some of his voice work he'd done in cartoons like me and my son uh, really liked watching Adventure Time. And he's, mm, yeah. uh, you know, infamously the Earl of Lemon Grab. Uh, from that show and I'd recognized his name and I'd heard of Dan Harmon um, but I started like this kind of led me down a Dan Harmon hole where I then watched all of Community and then I found out he did a documentary and I watched that which led me to his podcast which like you know is like a recursive hole because a lot of stuff in the podcast works its way into Harmontown and Community yeah. or and it's 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 a interesting cycle so I I'm kind of ate up with this show and the, the creators and uh, I just you know it it's such a brilliant concept. The fact that this came from 
you know, Justin Roiland kind of doing a spoof of Back to the Future and just these two distinctive voices. And they're just the, the way the, the cadence of it, the fact that, the, you know, there's, there's just all this repetition of names and like repetition of concepts. And it's like almost comedy torture, mm-hmm. but it's just fun. It's fun and funny to listen to. And they capture that dynamic and essentially the way I, I, I mean, I'm guessing that like, you know, J- Justin brings that and then Dan Harmon kind of like finds a way to pound all that into some kind of plot and character Seems development like arc. Yeah. Uh, but it's, yeah, these characters are very iconic and you get a good handle for, and it's pretty amazing that you get a good handle for this dynamic and how kind of fucked up it is from the very beginning. I oh, think yeah. lesser shows would try to sugarcoat Rick and Morty's relationship and like maybe reveal as you go on just how kind of like predatory and opportunistic uh <laughs> that relationship is but but you know it, it kind of goes in a different direction where like rick is this amoral person but there is some kind of heart that you 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 find out in some kind of bedrock that you you, you yeah, drill it, through eventually and, and when it shines through it's almost like he's making concessions because he know he knows people won't tolerate him if he doesn't right and 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 i'm hoping that you know that develops into some genuine compassion some right. genuine uh, empathy for people but even this it shows like you know philosophically it's like you know one of the problems of altruism is like if you do altruism and it makes you feel good is it altruistic so like yeah. rick making concessions through the social contract and the fact that he has to do bare minimum things to keep his family's support you know is that is he a good person is he trying to just is that a means <laughs> to an end is that all like yeah. it's it's this is the stuff that i love about rick sanchez or, or right. at least because I would I would hate to be around someone like that in real life I'm yeah. I'm sure yeah. uh, but uh, sort of analyzing Rick Sanchez as a yeah. character is really yeah. fun. You mentioned about the relationships that are kind of sketched out, and I think it would be helpful for us to kind of go through those individually to kind of talk about uh, you know where where we're starting off from. Uh, let's start with Rick and Morty. Yeah, I, I mean the the relationship is developed right off the bat in this cold open. Uh, you you get to see that okay. Uh, Morty is somewhat just along for the ride here mm-hmm. in a lot of instances, but but Rick, in this discussion where he's talking about, I made the bomb, and I, I'm i going to bring Jessica along for you, the, the fact that Rick has to point out that he has no intention of stealing Morty's girlfriend is so fundamentally fucked up, because... Yeah. Like Morty, Morty isn't thinking that at all. Right. Morty doesn't even, like Morty here doesn't even want this to happen because he... He seems like he doesn't want to do this to Jessica. He doesn't want humanity to end. Well, plus, like, Jessica doesn't even know him. Like, he's self-aware enough to know that, like, this is a crush that I have, and she doesn't even know I exist, so how weird is it going to be for her to be my Eve? Yeah, ethically, it's it's entirely fucked. Yeah. Like, forcing her into that situation. And Rick saying, don't worry, I'm not going to do it, (laughs) implies that he's actually thought of the possibility. Yes, yes. And that's the most disturbing part, is that you know Rick's tendency probably would be to do that. Yeah. And him pointing it out unveils it. Yeah, and they're, they're like they're rocking a tightrope here because, like, uh, you know, having an alcoholic family member, which obviously Rick is, can be a yeah. very scary thing. And you know, like uh, having a fa- like a grandfather, a father come home drunken and, and like in a rage and like this impulsive and like it's it can be frightening. But in this instance, they up the stakes so much that, uh, like, it's absurdist because it's not like he's physically threatening Morty. He's actually going to set off a neutron bomb that destroys the whole world. Yeah. 
And it's like that's uh, such an absurd concept. And 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 uh, the, the Morty fights against it, you know, that he's able to overcome his grandpa. But then there's also, you know, like they strike this kind of bittersweet tone in almost all their comedy where like Morty is able to prevail, <laughs> but it's like basically he's rest the wheel away from his grandpa. He parks the spaceship. Grandpa fa- passes out, but the bomb is armed. And how is Morty going to disarm it? Yeah. Uh and they don't bother to answer that question. It's just, you know, you come back from the credits and uh, the world's still here. So Yeah, and I think it's important to note that this is a pilot. So, yes. you know, any kind of, like, continuity that they might develop in the future mm-hmm. is is sort of non-existent here, right? right? And I will say that, like, um, I do think that as Rick and Morty goes along, it becomes more very much like the X-Files model where yeah, you yeah. have, like, these myth arc episodes that kind of hold, like, a couple episodes that kind of tie everything together, but they're also you know, sprinkled with just strong episodic content. It's like, you know, it doesn't really have mm-hmm. major continuity. And, you know, just, just so you know, if this is the first time you're going through Rick and Morty, uh, these kind of like discussions up front are going to be spoiler free. There'll be a section that we identify that has spoilers in it later, yeah. uh, but you can, you know, we're not going to spoil future episodes just yet. And uh, so they, they book in the whole episode with sort of moments like that, where I, I look at what Rick is doing and it's profoundly fucked up. Like, the exploitation of Morty here yeah. is shocking. Yeah. Uh, he tries to throw Morty under the bus when they come back and his parents are pissed that he hasn't been in school. And he's like, oh, Morty, I can't believe you haven't been in school. Nobody's buying it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and then Morty turns around and tries to defend him. And that's maybe the saddest part. Mm-hmm. He's like trying to defend his grandpa who has just thrown him or attempted to throw him under the bus. Right. And then the final part of the episode where he's screaming 100 years Rick and Morty is... He's laying it all out, right? Morty is his prisoner at this point. He Mm -hmm. has convinced his parents that there is nothing wrong with this relationship. And now Morty has a hundred years of Rick and Morty to look forward to. Yeah, yeah. And and maybe the most fucked up part about this whole ending to me is when Morty's spelling it or when Rick is spelling it out, he's essentially saying that Rick... Rick Sanchez is going to do amazing, great things and have fantastic adventures. Right. And you're going to get be present for those things. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and it's not by your choice because yeah. now I have you as a captive. Yeah. Uh, you're just going to witness me doing great things. That's so fucked up. Yeah. It's a lot like kind of uh, Ozymandias at the end of Watchmen when he has his, his, his assistants. He's like, I okay. regret that you can have such a meager reward and he kills them all <laughs> because, hey, you know, that's life. It's, it's so uh, fucked. And, and like there's so many things like the fact that he like breaks – morty's legs and but they're in the stockholm type of situation because yeah. like you know when he falls off the cliff tumbles down breaks his legs and he he go he's a you know uh more rick's not necessarily bothered by that but morty goes on his tirade about like I've, I've had it with you i'm done you're sick you're uh you're a monster and rick's like okay well i guess i got to do the bare minimum and he, he finds a serum that fixes his broken legs but then that just sets up the fact that like I've used up all my portal energy, you know, man whoring it up with this uh, these incredibly youthful and virile inhabitants yeah. of this perfect planet. And while and, you were writhing in pain on this other planet, right. and other it, dimension. But just as Morty, because because Morty's like, so like, oh wow, you fixed my. Pl- I feel like a new man now. He's going to like you know bait and switch him. It's like okay, yeah, now I've done something good for you, and you you felt bad about judging me. Now I need you to do these this thing with the right. mega seeds. And also you you never get like whether like I don't buy that Rick can't 
I, I don't think the Rick's ever have smuggled a mega seed up his ass. I think it's no, more of like yeah. he just doesn't want to do it and he convinces mm-hmm. – he doesn't really force Morty to do anything. He just m- m- emotionally blackmails and manipulates him into doing it. Right. Yeah. Um, but there's also like a strong anti-authority streak that they paint in Rick that like, you know, school is yeah. dumb and it's going to he like lays out this ludicrous thing. It's like it's just a bunch of people uh, two plus two shouting four and then you get a slip that says you can t- take a crap or whatever. But then when we actually see Mr. Goldenfold's math class, it's literally exactly like that. He's just leading the children in like five plus five equals ten and a stupid uh-huh. uh, quiz and um it's funny that, like, in this particular universe, like, Rick's kind of jaded worldview is a lot of times uh, immediately validated. Yes. And that's that's the thing where you can never quite turn fully against Rick because right. he does make a lot of salient points no, no, on a lot of different issues. Yeah, the universe is bullshit in a lot of ways sure. that, that will be explored over the next seasons of Rick and Morty. And... That's the thing is, like, if you boil everything down, like, you know, uh, at least from my perspective as a secular humanist, uh, that there there isn't like a cosmic gatekeeper, anyone keeping any kind of moral score. So, like, if you boil everything down, like Rick's kind of uh, amoral nihilism is, quote unquote, technically correct or even absolutely correct. Mm -hmm. But it's just he misses the idea that, like, you know, since there are no rules and there are no purposes it's 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 life is what we make it and he chooses yeah. to make life miserable for everyone at the maximization of his own success and, and gratification yeah and you know that 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 doesn't necessarily pay off in the long term let's put it that way um i also love the like they try to do a couple things where you know like w- what i said in the beginning about um you know lesser show would try to like make grandpa rick a little bit more cuddly and they kind of start to do that with rick you know kind of leaning in to morty being afraid of this new planet and being like you know facing these new and different situations and facing our fears is how we grow it's like that's a stock like abc tgif full house you know danny (laughs) tanner kind of speech to his daughters but it's interrupted by him running screaming from some hideous spider monster so that Mm -hmm. You know, like like he's trying to do the sitcom thing, obviously for less than altruistic reasons, but he doesn't even have the control as a parental figure, as a male authority figure to guarantee his safety in those things. And it kind of like instantly subverts it, which I think is is, is amazing. Yeah, and there are moments too where, you know, the, the softer side of Rick is used for manipulation, uh, to exploit other people or opportunities, like when they're at the the meal, the breakfast. The morning after uh, they go on their space trip, he compliments Beth's eggs, right? Yeah. And and he's not doing that because he genuinely thinks the eggs are good, I don't think. Uh-uh. He's doing it because he's driving a wedge between Jerry and Beth. Well, and it's so – like the way it's performed by Royland, it's so nakedly insincere. Yeah. Like he's oh Beth, you really cooked the crap out of those eggs, and and then he adds like uh like the, the uh, wish your mother or wish your mother, which them, we yeah. don't know exactly what's going on with their mother, but you know there's this uh, hint that you know Rick's been out of her life, and that he's come back in, and like Beth, you know craves that approval, and you know miss like I don't know whether his mom, her mom is dead or out of the picture, or other ways, but like mm-hmm. you can tell that that Rick knows exactly what he's doing, he knows exactly what oh, levers yeah. to pull. 
and probably feels like you know if 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 Beth was as smart as she should be as my daughter, she should see through all this. <laughs> or I'm actually teaching uh-huh. her the lessons that's going to let her become like her fuller potential, which he probably sees himself as that. So like he doesn't even like I don't even think he sees it as doing something wrong. Like sure. if she's not self aware enough to know that she's being played, then she's an idiot, and idiots don't matter. He they has no respect for them, right? Yeah, uh, they're not even they're not even human or people. As he as, as he kind of like what as Morty's <laughs> the bureaucrats. Yeah, oh my this, god, that's so good. Yeah, yeah, they're like uh, it, it's it's just his worldview. And if she is smart and resilient enough to like see, to call him on his bullshit, then well, he taught her a valuable lesson, and now she's stronger and and more fit. So yeah. He's uh, he's got this worldview that just can't be falsified. Um, they also, before we move on, because this would be a good segue to talk about Rick and, and Beth. Um, they do. They, they said this on the commentary of this episode that they intended the scene of uh, Morty daydreaming about Jessica in math class to be indicative of some kind of um, learning disability. Like maybe yeah. it's dyslexia, maybe it's attention deficit disorder, maybe he's just like, you know, has some other kind of unspecified learning disability. Um, and they, they definitely support that in the dialogue because mm-hmm. Beth, Rick, uh, Jerry, they all, you know, well, the doy, son, of course there's something going on. And it's not, we know it's also not all Rick's fault because Beth says in kind of defending Rick, hey, Morty struggles with school long predate Rick coming back in her life. Mm-hmm. Um, but I felt like that, that that kind of go for broke surreal visual of of the the, the knock him around scene, um, it didn't it didn't actually land when I was just watching organically because I you know as being like a thirteen fourteen year old boy at some point in history myself, you know Morty in this case is sleep deprived he's falling asleep in class he's daydreaming about a pretty girl mm-hmm. those are all things I think you can do without having a learning disability in those situations absolutely. But yeah. I, it, it does seem that like, and I, I don't know what like you know Morty's quote unquote damage is. Um, it'll be interesting to see like the, the tracking that as we kind of watch this the series. But mm-hmm. they definitely, definitely want to imply that to make uh, to serve a couple purposes, I guess, to make uh, Morty more relatable. You know that he's like you just to set him apart from Rick. Like you know, Rick is a super genius. Rick's daughter is at least a horse surgeon, which we'll talk about here in a minute. But Morty is not from that. Like he's not the apple that's fallen. He may be the apple's fallen yeah. far from the tree. Yeah, he rolled down a hill. Yeah, uh, it, things are going to be a struggle in in a pond. The things things are going and floated down the stream. Yeah, as the fish ate him. Yeah, out to the ocean <laughs> where he got swallowed by a whale and shit out. I yeah, it, 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 but he's yeah, he's not. You know, they kind of they have those lines where like Jerry and Morty are kind of like in their lane and like Beth and Rick are in their lane. And then we have Summer, which really is just loosely sketched in this episode. Oh, yeah. She's barely in it. Yeah. Um, and she's kind of like, you know, we'll see what camp that she falls in. I really want to talk about Beth and Jerry because there's a lot going on there. Can we talk about how that as that relates to Beth's role as a horse surgeon? Because I wonder yeah. how much like in the writer's room, they sweated that like, what is the exact profession that we can give her where it's, it's obviously something that takes a lot of talent to achieve, mm-hmm. uh, like a heart surgeon, you know, everyone reveres heart surgeons, brain surgeons, like any of these specialist type surgeons, like they're like the, you know, they're, they're, they're brilliant and they're good with their hands and 
Uh, they usually have kind of like a cockeyed view of morality because they have to deal with death so much and they're like personally hold the life and death in their hands. But then they make it a horse surgeon. Mm -hmm. So like, you know, it's automatically whether this is fair or not. And I apologize into veterinarians. It does seem like people see like, oh, you're 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 a heart surgeon. And then you say, oh, I'm a horse heart surgeon. It's like, oh. Well, it's lower stakes, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, people love their horses. People love their pets. They become friends, but they're not human beings. And I, right. I feel like there's inherent stakes when you're dealing with uh, medical issues of human beings. They're mm -hmm. not there as a veterinarian of any kind. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, it does, it does diminish that just a slight bit. Right. But not because of any skill or intellect. It's almost like no. it's, it's just a purely social construct. But you also wonder... Like, why isn't she a heart surgeon? You know, mm -hmm. did she try to be a heart surgeon? Is did she like, you know, did did uh, uh, her relationship with Jerry get in the way? Um, I mean, it seems pretty clear to me that Jerry is he's at the very least taking every opportunity to rib her about this. And she's very brittle about it, too. Yes. Which I don't know if brittle, like if you're if your husband is demeaning your profession, then like, I don't know how, it, uh, yeah, how what strong that, and resilient would look like yeah. in that face of that. But. Right. How about justifiably brittle? Yeah. But uh, but in, in, in but maybe also there's also an underlining insecurity that she knows yeah. that maybe this horse surgeon in some way that she can't articulate is seen as less than by society. And that, that bothers her, mm -hmm. but also like what's more, what's Jerry's deal? Because, uh, he's this giant kind of like, you get the idea that he's just like this pushover. Um, but I don't know because is he a pushover just in general? Is he a pushover in relation to like the extremely strong character of Rick? Yeah, that's a good question. Because like you get the feeling that everybody would be steamrolled if if mm -hmm. uh, you are the thing that's in the way of Rick and what he wants to do. Yeah, uh, which in this case is running roughshod over uh, his family for his own his own purposes. Um, I, I think that the, the, they kind of hint that Jerry's kind of the different side of the same insecure coin and they they also have a lot of mutual like hidden resentment that like this isn't you get the idea that this isn't the life that beth thought she would have and mm -hmm. that jerry's perfectly happy to have this life except for he knows that beth isn't happy and there is some resentment and that kind of harshes his buzz yeah, and then you throw Rick in the mix, who's right. constantly being the wedge between them. And probably subverting his role as a parent, subverting his role as a husband, yeah. uh, you know, the, being the one that, you know, like, it's not Rick, Beth or Jerry wearing any of the pants in the house, it's 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 Rick. Mm -hmm. um, it, it does ask, I do, I had the question as I was watching this episode, how... How it's like the first question is how does Rick in a nursing home even work? But then I the, the underlying <laughs> answer is like why does Rick want to live with his family so that he can have uh, whenever he wants it a rectal seed purse? But I feel like I with the, with his portal gun he could have that anytime yeah. anyway. Like that's what, fair. What I, I wonder what what um th there's th i think this is a big hint of his character right because he could live anywhere he could mm -hmm. live in a fortress in space uh he could live uh you know on the other side of the universe and still have access to morty whenever he wants it what is the value to have his base of operations be in his family home yeah and it's a fair question it's 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 something i think that you know will be revealed uh in the as as the the series plays out uh, so I, I just want to talk about like maybe some of the dimensions that we do see in this episode because there, there's what I'm going to call the originating dimension, which is where we're introduced to Rick and Morty, uh, and then there's obviously dimension uh, is it 35C with the yeah, mega seeds, the mega seeds dimension, yeah, um, which has you know this interdimensional portal hub in it, 
And then there's this this future broken leg, everybody youthful dimension. Uh, so we kind of see three different dimensions sort of hinted at mm-hmm. or or shown. We're getting geared up for the 6th Annual Summer Badass Fest. And while we're working on a slate of apex badass films to enjoy, we've got an early action-packed announcement to make. Just like last year, we're kicking off Badass Season with a live movie watch and podcast recording. We've rented out a theater for connoisseurs of action films and bald move fans that just want to have a great time. Unlike last year, this year's movie is top secret. Hush, hush. No hints... Except, it's incredibly badass. It stars an absolute icon of the genre. We're willing to bet most of you haven't seen it, and it's going to be an incredible viewing experience with a packed house of bald movers. Those of you who came to last year's screening of Total Recall know what a party it was. And those of you who didn't, (laughs) now's your chance to experience it. Meet me and Jim. Order some custom movie-themed drinks at the theater's full bar. Then watch us record the full podcast for the movie. We reserved a venue over twice the size as last year, but seating is still limited. It's happening Friday, 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 June 21st at 7 p.m. in our hometown of Cincinnati. Get full details and buy tickets at baldmove.com slash live. Cincinnati's actually a pretty great city to visit, and we've got lots of details for side adventures on our event page as well. The Reds are playing the Boston Red Sox in their fantastic Riverside Stadium. The thrills of Kings Island just minutes away, and I'll be leading a kayak trip down the scenic Little Miami River on Saturday. Again, get full details and get your tickets now on our Badass Fest 6 page at baldmove.com slash live live. Human music. I like it. And now for a segment we like to call Plot to the Future, where we tune our portal guns to dimension BM-77, which allows us to glimpse behind-the-scenes details, examine the trivia, and view potential spoilers for future episodes. So if dimension BM-77 sounds frightful and scary, uh, perhaps turn off uh, the podcast now. There's a ton of stuff to talk about in this particular episode that I found out. Um, I was really entertained by the commentary, and if you haven't heard... Uh, if you ha- if if you've not heard the commentary, it's available on the DVD versions of Rick and Morty, and I will put links to the if you want to purchase those on Amazon. Also, Blu-ray if you're living in 2019. Maybe. What did I say? Did I say DVD? DVD. What, Damn what, it. what is this? 1999. I don't know. I don't know. I'm <laughs> I'm uh, I, I went a little bit too far back to the future. I went all yeah. the way back to 1985, 95. When the hell did DVDs come out? Sounds right. But uh, one of the things I thought was amazing and is kind of like, jeez. Uh, how did they do this? Because I've done some writing projects before, but mm. uh, Dan was talking that him and Justin wrote this script in between community seasons three and four, which, you know, there was a little bump on the way to season four of community. Um, but they were trying to break this thing down and, you know, it was getting late and Dan was going to take off. And Justin, he, he said, you know, has worked with me over the course of years said, look, if you leave now, this is going to take like six months to finish. But if you stay, we can get it done this night. And they wrote this script uh, in six hours. 
Yeah. And I thought that was pretty incredible. It it's it's sort of inspiring and demoralizing at the same time because <laughs> like as somebody who has tried to write things like yeah. both of us have yeah uh it takes a lot longer than six hours but i i mean that's just a testament to you know how much work they've put in over the years but not just that because like dan talks a lot about how he feels that writing is so difficult because he's like you know i keep thinking that it's just experience thing that like there's a right way to do this and as soon as i figure out that formula then it'll just be easy yeah um, and I think it's also a testament to like sometimes you get those like just live wire creative experiences where you get like, you know, you're, you're with a, a partner that you got a lot of chemistry with and the ideas are flowing and it just is like, God, why can't it always be this easy? Mm-hmm. Um, because, uh, you know, the, the delay between season two and season three was in particular because they felt like they couldn't live up to the standards of season two. And it was extraordinarily difficult breaking all those plots. But I thought it was is pretty uh, pretty interesting insight. As long with the one of the few notes they got from the network uh, was that like Morty seems like he's more of a punching bag, and they added things like this cold open to show that like Morty actually has agency. That with with sufficient sufficient motivation and cause, he can literally wrest the wheel from Rick and and turn things into a different direction. And I, I'm like, Jesus, how bleak was this before they started inserting that? Because <laughs> Morty's a punching bag for sure. Oh, yeah. But he does have, they gave him just a little bit of calcium in that spine, just enough to where you, you, you got the idea that, like, if Rick was going to do something really crazy or really dangerous, that, that Morty might put his foot down. And it does, uh, Morty does assert himself, you know, multiple times throughout the series. I think he he starts to eventually teach Rick some lessons, right? Right, right. Um, so yeah, I I'm glad that's part of the show. Actually, there's also like a, a lot of people had a complaint about this show, uh, and I in fact shared this complaint early on was the incessant like burping and belching, mm-hmm. uh, and Rick's like drooling and like foaming at the mouth and like is like very off putting and distracting. Um, like I, I, some of the verbal tics I could roll with because I don't know if you've noticed already that I, I, I tend to stutter and stammer a lot and like those kind of, you know, get starting off and get the wrong word, but you just auto correct yourself. Like I, I guess that didn't bother me as much. Cause I feel like I've got a lot of those same foibles, but like the burping and belching, they mm-hmm. talk about in the commentary that like Dan hated that too. Mm-hmm. And that, but, but I got the idea that it's almost like, um, like almost like a comedy gatekeeper with Royland. Like, hey, this is what I do, and this is kind of like on the roller coaster. You got to be this this tall to ride. Like, if if this burping and belching is going to put you off, then like I just want to get you out of the way because by the time the dick trees show up, by the time the <laughs> stuff really goes off the rails, I've already weeded out the people that are not going to be along for it. But if you can get kind of get yeah. caught up in everything else that's good about it, then you know you'll be you'll you'll be ready to roll with the stuff when it gets 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 truly demented and insane. And I think some of the unease with the burping and stuff actually makes it into the show like there's they're waiting in the interdimensional customs line mm-hmm. and there's this what's clearly a ferengi right in, uh in front of them 
and when Rick is talking to Morty, he belches very loudly, and the Fringy kind of side eyes him. Yeah, I don't know if that's like reflective of Dan's feelings on the whole thing, uh, and and brought out through the animation, or if that's just something the animators got. They went, oh my god, this guy is burping, disgusting. Of course, these people will be looking at him. Well, and, and also to have like that particular alien, the Ferengi, who's kind of uh-huh. an uncouth, you know, backwards <laughs> species to begin with. Yeah. Like, you know, we might enslave our women. And we have the worst form of pure, naked, exploitive capitalism in the world, but we don't fucking belch in our dimensional customs lines. Like, I, I thought that was pretty funny. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing I want to talk about is that, like, as we alluded to in our main main discussion and review, is that the uh, the portal technology. I feel like there's uh, it, it, it feels like, and I think they even will say this in a later commentary that they realize that they kind of goofed up. Because one of the long-running plots that propel the action forward is that everyone wants Rick's portal gun technology because navigating dimensions is like a like a Rick thing that no one else in the universe can do it. And here we've got interdimensional customs, which implies that it's this is like as as common as air travel. And the mm-hmm. other thing that they didn't intend to in, insert, but they did, is the concept of time travel. Yeah, because when he visits the hyper advanced planet, he talks about it being like far in the future, or it's a future timeline. But at the very least, there's time dilation. There's going ti- on. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because like he spent a year, and and you know, obviously that gets really weird if 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 Rick you know goes off screen and he comes back and he could experience five years like that mm-hmm. is like you know there's a lot of narrative trickery that I don't think they intended to happen that could go <laughs> on and they wanted to kind of. You know, we've discussed this in other podcasts that like sometimes having limitations on your technology is very important creatively in story writing because sure. otherwise, you know, it's Deus Ex Machina anytime you want it because oh, you can just go back in time and rewrite history or you can and there's already a lot of that that eventually goes on. Mm-hmm. You know, like before we get too much further into season, they're going to completely destroy this earth and <laughs> jump ship to another dimension. So. Right. We got we got some news to talk about this week. Uh, San Diego Comic Con was just last week. I'm not sure if we'll have a new segment for every particular podcast, but there's a lot of stuff to talk about here. Uh, the 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 banner announcement is that Rick and Morty are going to return November of 2019 this year. Uh, we don't have the exact details for its televised premiere, but Cartoon Network has announced that they're going to have an exclusive airing at their Adult Swim Festival that's happening in uh, uh, Los Angeles. This is the second year for the event. It runs from Friday, November 15th to Saturday, November 16th. And um, they said that the Rick and Morty episode is going to drop that Saturday, I think in the evening part of the -hmm. show. Um, and in addition to that, like sounds like a, a, a fun party to go to. The festival includes events described... Uh, by Adult Swim as a one-of-a-kind 360-degree fan experience. Uh, they have attractions such as Robot Chicken's Intergalactic Power Summit, Squidbilly's Squid Tin-Man Bunkhouse Stampede. Um, they have exclusive talent appearance, um, bands um, from you know that are kind of related to uh, the, the Cartoon Network brand. Mm-hmm. Um, it looks like a, a, a fun time. Also, as we've mentioned, San Diego Comic-Con came out, and they have... They didn't didn't talk a lot about season four, except for, um, well, all the things we're about to talk about. <laughs> they have they confirmed guest stars like Taika uh, Taika Watiti, which mm-hmm. is most famous as the director of Thor Ragnarok. Yeah, um, and also the, also uh, shark eagle versus shark, yeah, eagle I, eagle and shark. Uh, not I don't know that, that one. Yeah, it's that uh, Jermaine Clement. Uh, movie from years ago. 
That's that's the first thing I had seen of his. Well, they also did collaborate on that What We Do in the Shadows yeah, uh, right. horror comedy project, too. I don't know that he's involved in the FX series. Um, he's probably an executive producer, at least. But yeah. uh, um, also, he will be joined by Sam Neill. And mm-hmm. apparently those... Because uh, the interviewer, this is for a lot of this information is from an Entertainment Weekly interview, which I'll also link in the show notes. Um, the interviewer asked if if Sam was going to be like in connection to a Jurassic Park role or Event Horizon yeah. role, and they're like, no, we just wanted like a a little kiwi flavor for these particular alien race, so he'll be working with the uh, uh, he'll he'll be the same species as uh, Taika. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, uh, confirmed guest star, bald move favorite. <laughs> Paul Giamatti. Man, we have such a complicated relationship. We sure do. With Paul Giamatti. I love Paul Giamatti. We love Paul Giamatti. Like, th- this is the big news. Like for me. Rick Sanchez, our love is shown sometimes comes out in demented, weird, weird ways. But uh, absolutely. But we, we do love the gentleman. Um, and they also talked about the structure. They, uh, Royal Lynn was quoted as saying, without giving anything away, we've serialized stuff. We check in now and then. That's sprinkled over the top of strong episodic characters. Uh, says you're going to want to watch them in order for that reason and definitely get a rewatch of all of season three before season four. I mean, this just down, sounds like what Rick and Morty has become. The, the leaning into it. Yeah. Like there we're yeah. like, maybe we're going to flirt with having a little bit more continuity, a little bit more X-Files, um, which I'm excited for because mm-hmm. I like the episodic stuff. I like the fact that they can be zany and crazy and do interdimensional cable shit. But I also want to find out about what evil Morty's up to. Yeah. Um, so that's pretty exciting. Um, they also re- released a few production st- stills. One features like Rick walking through what looks like some kind of alien field of wheat with his like hands, like kind of like uh, uh, Russell Crowe from Gladiator. Mm-hmm. Um, another one is Rick being kind of held up by a couple of armed uh, anthropomorphic crocodiles. Yeah, and, sort of reminded me of like the lawnmower dog episode. Yeah. A little bit. I, I the connection I drew, especially since Royland's insisting that we watch uh, season three, uh, mm. is that there was Crocubot from the Vindicators three. He was half half unfeeling cyborg, half unfeeling crocodile. Yeah, that makes more sense. And I wonder if like this is like the the race of crocodiles, intelligent crocodiles that's seeking vengeance for Rick slaying their greatest hero or something. Yeah, could be. Um, some stealth continuity. Uh, but that looked like a lot of fun. There's also a 50-second clip that came from the episode that stars Sam Neill and Taika Watiti, where Taika is an alien app developer with the words, do not develop my app tattooed on his forehead. Mm-hmm. And the setup is apparently Jerry has has seen fit to develop his app and uh it's going to bring dire results including summoning an ominous sounding mothership to earth uh so that'll be that'll be a lot of fun and the clip is the that alien like a physical representation of an app is that what we're supposed to believe of this no because he had a cell phone he had a cell phone device with that was uh, running ominous apps, beeping yeah. app yeah i'm super curious about that scene yeah and it's like i you know we used to be software developers in our former life and i get mm-hmm. a lot i get a big kick out of stuff that's like um silicon valley yeah and i wonder like how much like if this is i wonder if the, this will be like informed by kind of like there'll be like a little bit of uh um almost parody of the success of uh, uh silicon valley because we know that Harmon's real good friends with uh, uh kumail nanjiani uh or if it's just going to be like uh, a layman's idea of what apps will be because there's that's what the humor is in this like morty's trying mm-hmm. to shut it down by smashing all the monitors and the guy's like that's not how apps work but uh, we're smart enough to know about servers. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. do something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so that 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 that'll be funny. Yeah. Um, they also talked about because one of the big 
kind of, you know, things that's talked about Rick and Morty is their infamous long delays in production that like the gap between season two and three was like a year and a half. And the gap between season three and four is actually longer. Um, in interviews, they said that the gap between two and three was because they didn't feel like they had a good handle on a process to generate the quality that they we're proud of from season one and two. It's like, we got to top ourselves. How do you do that? Like, what are the, who do we need? Um, like from a personnel standpoint, what kind of processes do we need? Like how, how do you actually get this to work? And I, I guess they got all that solved in the writer's room. And so what's, what's delayed, you know, season th- uh, four is that there was a lot of contact contract negotiations between them and the network um, mm. that, you know, ended up yielding not just one new season, but 70, uh, 70 episode order. Yeah. And they have also said that they're essentially working on season five right now. So the idea that it's going to be much less than two year delay between this season and next, maybe we even get a season in 2020. Yeah. Which, should be, you know, in hindsight would be a smart thing to do. Uh, <laughs> there's also, um, you know, one of the things that was in this piled episode is the whole hundred years Rick and Morty, uh, hundred times Rick and Morty, which is interesting because in in Community, Dan Harmon kind of called a shot, saying had one of his characters, uh, it was Abed, say that the you know, this thing was going to run for six seasons in a movie, mm-hmm. and we got exactly six seasons. There's always been kind of a rumor that there might be a movie kicking around. Um, it's interesting that this this happened again, that they put in the very first episode that they got 100 episodes, and the 70-episode order is almost exactly 100 ep- – would bring Rick and Morty almost to exactly 100 episodes. Um, but it seemed like Dan and Justin are both open to, like, if this thing turned into something like Simpsons that runs for 20-plus yeah. seasons, as long as they're having fun and they got good ideas and it's not a shit show – they'd want to keep doing it. And in the commentary, it almost seems like Dan was a little disdainful of the idea that they committed to anything at the end of that, uh, at the end of the pilot with a hundred years, Rick and Morty, that, that kind of stuff. Yeah. So yeah, I don't, I don't know what exactly their feelings are on it, but they, they did say, yeah, we could see this going 20 if yeah, that's what it's, people want. It's, it's hard to see. Cause like disdainful because uh, the, the, the example he that's cited the impression is like, I came away with. Yeah. It's like, what if somebody on Twitter is like, you owed me a hundred episodes and you didn't give it to me. I'm going to kill myself. Like kind of mm-hmm. like an over the top, like as, and that's a thing. Like I imagine it's easy to get disdainful of any rabid fan. Sure. Because uh, like, Jesus, I'm creating this show and I'm not as attached to it as you. Like there is something kind of weird to that, but uh, I, I don't know. It's, it, it is, uh, I don't know. Maybe maybe we can try it. Um, we want to have <laughs> 10,000 podcasts. <laughs> 10,000 Jim and Aaron. 10,000 Jim, Jim, Jim and Aaron, 10,000. And they're all going to be monetized. And they're all going to have strong club support there. <laughs> see, 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 this is going to be this is going to be cool in 20 years when. Oh, hell yeah. When we're broke after 4,000 episodes <laughs> and I've died of a heart attack because I haven't taken care of myself. Um <laughs> So they also talked – the other thing that they talked about um, is the the whole Szechuan sauce thing. Oh, I don't boy. know that we ever talked about that. What did you think about how that all went down? I am not familiar enough with this. I knew there was a Rick and Morty thing. I knew that you know, essentially is McDonald's brought it back uh, for a while, and yeah. that just 
stirred up the shit again. The season three premiere, like, they had a reprise of the 100 Years Rick and Morty because Mm -hmm. he said, I want, like, my whole goal is to bring Szechuan sauce back. I don't care if it takes seven more seasons or whatever. (laughs) McDonald's, you know, saw that and decided to bring it back on a limited time basis, and they grossly underestimated how many people Mm -hmm. wanted the damn Szechuan sauce, and it caused... A lot of uh, these, like uh, we, the aforementioned uh, obsessive fans, to get pissed that they couldn't get their Szechuan sauce, which is, I wonder how that feel. Like it, it sounds like that they have complicated feelings because it's like uh, it's kind of a. Bu- he said he described it as a weird bit of a bummer for everybody because yeah, I'm like McDonald's tried to do something fun, they underestimated demand, they ended up disappointing everybody, but it's also a very Rick and Morty thing that they artificially engineered this insane desire for this old product a corporation tried to like good naturedly like haha here's the thing mm-hmm. and then that that crazy artificial demand just crushed them and caused people to that's the that's the they, unfortunate they should part. just run a sweepstakes lifetime of Szechuan sauce uh for yeah. whoever wins it you do like the monopoly game at mcdonald's and then who's to complain, right? Or, well, I didn't win it. I didn't win the fucking lottery yesterday either. Or, like, I don't know. I mean, Mulan's coming out later this year. There's mm-hmm. still, like, just do it. Just go Mulan, wide with Sichuan it. Sichuan yeah. combo. Yeah. I mean, that's where it came from in the beginning. So, like, just just, just, just do it. And right. also there'll be a stealth, like, Rick and Morty tie-in, too. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, like... If, if 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 they ever do it again and they don't have enough sauce, just let's let's try to not to scream at the, the the minimum wage earning McDonald's employees. You know, I didn't get an NES Classic the first time they came through. So yeah, and I wasn't screaming about did it. Did you did you scream in the face of some seventeen year old Toys R Us employee? And and and, and not had about that, that video shared on on YouTube. Not about that. That's how weird things got with the Szechuan stuff. <laughs> but um. Anyway, yeah, I was actually kind of surprised that more like bigger news didn't come out of San Diego Comic Con, but uh, you know why? Why spoil things? Pickle Me This is distributed by Bald Move in association with Starburns Audio. It's produced by Jason Smith and Scott Porch from Starburns, and myself, Manayron from Bald Move. All music featured on this podcast is from the Rick and Morty soundtrack, available from Sub Pop Records. Please subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. To discover the many other great shows we do, please check out baldmove.com and starburns.audio. If you appreciate what we do and want to directly support us, consider joining our club at club.baldmove.com to get access to exclusive bonus audio and video features. Finally, you can follow us on your favorite social media at baldmove. See you next time. Did you get those seeds all the way up your butt?